0: Okay. Priority number one. We need some good getaway music. We're
1: not leaving the city. But we need some good getaway music. All right, all right. That's good getaway. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to Live from the Dutch Hall. I'm your host, Pete Van Dyke, and uh, this week we have our guest, Tanya Van Roy. Tanya, thanks for coming in. Thank
0: you,
1: Pete. All right. And we always, do. We always give a kiss to the ladies. So, that clip that we opened the show with was a clip from uh, Tanya's new film. Homages or homages, which it's either way, right?
0: Yeah, it's like t- tomato, tomato.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that film will be opening. Uh, it's is it it's opening or being uh, I guess uh, featured at the Hamilton Film Festival this year, is that right?
0: Yeah, it's actually opening the festival, which is incredible. I, you know, I'm pretty proud of that.
1: Oh, you should be, you should be. So we're really lucky to have you here in the Dutch Hall. Uh, so we were when we were going to start this program. It's episode 45, I believe, this week, and uh, we. I've always been keeping my ear to the ground on what's happening in the local area and looking for local talent. And uh, Tanya is an old friend of mine. Uh, you g- grew up with uh, my sister-in-law, right? I remember you when we were um, just kids. I was just starting to date my wife. And you uh, you were you were uh, we had to look after you and my sister-in-law when you were like in grade 8 for New Year's. Did yeah, you, oh, you,
0: I bet. A million times I was always there.
1: And I was. Uh, I think I would have been about 16 at the time. And you guys were, I said, in grade eight. And uh, you guys, your New Year's party was way better than my New Year's party. <laughs> it was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I said, I'm 16 years old, and I'm sitting here watching these kids for New Year's, and they're they're having a party, and I'm... Sitting there watching TV like like an old man, you know? Well that's funny. Must have been good. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> you probably you you were probably a little ahead of me. I was a very um a very boring child. There was <laughs> I was very very stuck on being a good boy and I never never had as much fun as it seemed like you guys were having. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, we had a lot of fun, that's for sure. She was a fun girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh well, thanks for coming in. So, you got a lot going on. I mean, you got the you got the new movie coming out and you have uh you have a new website. So, we got to make sure we promote all these things cuz one thing that I I don't have to have people with any credits or bios or anything like that that I have to <laughs> worry about. It's usually just a bunch of drunks hanging around the Dutch Hall. <laughs> and so this is a real treat for me. Are you on Wikipedia?
0: No, I'm not on Wikipedia. So, you're
1: working for it. You have an article written about you. That's the first step, eh? Oh,
0: is it? Oh, well, that's yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. do you want it?
0: Yeah, well, I've never thought about that. Well maybe eventually, eh?
1: Well, Wikipedia, it's like uh it's it's like a permanent it's like a, a permanent encyclopedia record of yourself, right? Oh, so wow. when I when I well, when I thought of it like uh, originally with the show, like I uh, I had Ryan Van Bush on, I think my third episode, and he was on Wikipedia and I was like, "How do I get on Wikipedia?" And then uh this guy uh uh Jim F Bleak, Jim F. Bleak, uh, a, a listener of mine, put me on uh, Wikipedia. I had a page for Pete Van Dyke and live, cool. host of live in the Dutch Hall. It was really cool. And then Jim F. Bleak came on and said I was not notable or significant, and he, he stripped my page down. I had nothing. What? Right, Yeah. So all I needed was someone to tell me, to write an article about me or publish something to say that I was who I was, and then I could stay on Wikipedia. But Interesting. But until that happens, you can't do it, eh? Wow. So you should do it, and then you can have another Wikipedia, <laughs> I guess. very right few
0: Okay, so I do that myself. I just sign no, myself I, up?
1: I don't know. I think you have to have somebody else do it. I think. I think it has to be somebody else that does it and then... Uh, but you can find someone, right? Would yeah.
0: you do that for me, Pete?
1: I can do it for you. Yeah, yeah I can do it okay. for you. Yeah. And if that Jim F. Bleak starts to fuck with you like <laughs> he did with me, then we have more things to talk about on the radio, right? Exactly. But I think he's just got a thing against us, us Norfolk people. He's
0: probably listening right now. Hi, Jim.
1: Jim. Jim is one of them. He's got an open invitation to come in here and defend himself because yeah. I I haven't actually trashed Jim F. Bleak for a while, but I know he's got, he's got it coming that way. 'Cause I don't forgive him for calling me insignificant. I mean that's not only did he call me insignificant, but he called all my guests insignificant. He called all my you know you know, all my and that was just unfair, you know.
0: What's his uh, What's his background? How come he gets to be the uh, master in Wikipedia?
1: He's king shit of Wikipedia. I think that's it. There's <laughs> no Jim F. Bleak page. There's no page oh, for him well, either. Yeah, see,
0: that's he's got some uh, he's got some issues with that.
1: I, I agree. I think it's just a matter of him thinking, why should Pete have a page if uh, Jim F. Bleak doesn't <laughs> have a page? But you know, Jim F. Bleak, you're fuck, you're famous now. I mean, you're famous now because we we all know you here in the Dutch Hall community. Can't okay, so, Jim. So, Tanya we got a bunch of things we need to talk about, and the first, the one thing that really, I was reading that article about you that was written uh, about your film project and about um, the culture rodeo that you have coming out, which is really interesting, but one of the things that I noticed was that you said that you had met the, per, one of the people that helped you make the film, you met them when you, when you were tree planting, right?
0: Yeah, I know. You meet the weirdest people tree planting, and, and the best.
1: And how many years have you did you do that for?
0: Uh, I tree planted for 13 years.
1: 13 years, really? And then
0: I took three years off, and just this summer, I got called back. Uh, an old friend of mine was working for the best company in Canada and asked me if I wanted a foreman for them. So I said no, and I put it off, and I said no, and they didn't offer offered it to anybody else, and then I ended up
1: going. Really, really. Where did you go? Where have you planned in your 13 years?
0: Uh, Mostly in British Columbia. This year, I was up uh, near the Northwest Territories, and uh, it was probably the hardest time I've ever had in my life, and I knew it would be because I know the company, but it was very physically demanding, so I would carry 6,000 pounds a day and walk 35 kilometers. Oh, really? Yeah, it was... A good uh, way to lose weight. Yeah, well, yeah, and like, oh, man, like, I way past any kind of limits I ever thought I would have had. Yeah. It was pretty intense.
1: And how long would a stent be? That you're planning for.
0: Um, this stint was uh, probably close to three months, maybe even a little bit over.
1: Three, th- three months. Eh? Yeah,
0: but I've done long. I've I've started on the coast before in February, and I've. Uh, Moved into the interior and then into Alberta in August and then back out into the coast for till October. I've done long tree planting. Are you camping weeks. through
1: that time? or? Um,
0: well, mostly in my last year's planting, I would be uh, in hotels or cabins. But um, this year I was camping. We were in isolation camps. We'd fly in by helicopter. We'd set the whole camp up and we would be there. I think we were there for five weeks at one time yeah. this year. So we wouldn't see much else other than the forest. And then from, from our camp, we would fly by helicopter to work every day and back.
1: Is that right, eh? And yeah. would you would you uh, go squirrely by the end of it?
0: Um, I wouldn't, cause I'm pretty used to it. I oh. would probably sleep, cause I was so exhausted. Oh yeah. But uh, no, this uh, this camp was more. Everybody was so focused. Like you have to be um, almost an Olympian to get a job there as a planter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a... Uh,
1: oh, like a so lot of uh, climbing? Is that what it was? Or? No,
0: it was completely flat. It was just that people, minimum, would put in 5,000 trees a day.
1: Oh, yeah. Were you doing lot. it with the plugs or were you doing it with the shovel? and? Oh,
0: the... shovels for sure. Shovels,
1: yeah. <laughs> we did all shovel <laughs> stuff. I only did it one year. It was I was 19, I think, when I did it. And I did it for eight weeks. But I was in northern Ontario, Massey and Blind River. That's where we planted. And I was w- working for a uh, drunk... Uh, fly-by-nighter who got all the scrappy land that the other big companies didn't want so you got all the swamps and the rock and all the shit right Oh god! i think we had like uh the last maybe two weeks where we had the cream did they call it the cream the cream yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what you live for
0: as a planter they're always waving that like a you know carrot in front of your face
1: yeah if you're one of the good planters you get the cream and then the so if you were the top one of the top guys and they let you have the good ground and you can plant more trees and then make more money right and then there was, I remember there's one Italian guy that worked with me and he was uh, always, uh, we were always competitive. Who would um, plant the most trees, right?
0: Sounds normal, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so he was uh, always, uh, I was, I would like be at the top and then, uh, and I prided myself in it because I'm a farm, tobacco farm kid. You know, I thought oh, I can keep up with all these city kids because uh, I've worked my whole life, right? And uh, so this guy kept, all of a sudden I was beating him at the beginning and then he started to catch me and then he started to plant more trees than me. And I remember just working my tail off trying to beat this Italian guy. A uh, good guy and everything, but it was at the end of the project they found a couple of trays of trees. I was going to say he's Italian, he was probably stashing trees. <laughs> you know it, he was too. Yeah. yeah, he was at the end we had a couple of trays of trees to say <laughs> and the, the the owner gave us a case of beer and he said, "Go out and plant these two trays of trees to the top four guys or whatever." And we go out there and we just drank beer and he he said, "Let's just find an old uh, tr- fallen tree and just dump it in underneath the the roots or whatever, right?" I'm like, why would we do that? Let's plant the trees. And he goes, have you been planting all those trees, Pete, this whole year? I'm like, yes, that's my job. I'm trying to reforest the forest. Like, you don't do it by stashing them on it. They're not going to grow dumped into a hole in the ground. And I'm like, you fucker! Like that, that, the whole year I've been working my tail off, and you've been cheating the whole he's time. Laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, yeah. He thought it was hilarious. I did not. I thought not
0: that I was stereotyping Italians. I was just. Oh I, no! I love I, to I do that. I was going to guess.
1: Yeah, I love to do that. We did a whole show on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but for my tree planting experience, it was uh, we went squarely. There was no two ways about it. But I think because we were rookies, eh? Like, I mean, yeah, do you see oh that oh with my, the, God, with my the
0: first few years were terrible. Oh, yeah? But I, I wanted to get better at it, so I think that's what kept me going back.
1: Yeah, we saw people, uh, like, uh, I always think they should make a movie about that tree planting experience that we were on because uh, it, there, was, there was so many, like, horrible, uh, <laughs> like, turns of events that happened through the whole thing. Like, our, our the guy that owned the company was an alcoholic, and uh, we would have to wake up at 4 in the morning and, like like slap them in the face to try to get him to drive the van to get into the bush right oh
0: perfect sounds normal and uh, sounds like a tree planting company
1: is that does, does that is is that par for the course yeah i think that's pretty much par for the course oh yeah. was uh, uh, this guy was terrible um i remember we stopped in massey when we first got there because i Drove the trucks up, so then we had a little contract in Massey, and then we had to move on to Blind River, and then another crew was coming in to finish up in Massey. So Massey's like a real small town in northern Ontario, kind of like um, between uh, what be between Sudbury and Sault Ste Marie, kind of thing. And it was uh, this tiny little town, mostly native, right? And we would I remember one time it was a guy's birthday, so we went out uh, to uh, take him out on the town in Massey for his birthday. So we went to this karaoke bar and i remember we sang a couple of karaoke songs and these native girls um, came up to us and said what are you doing here i mean there's no, this isn't where the party's happening come with us we'll show you where the party's happening so we said oh sure we'd love to yeah. so we got we went got in the car with them and their friend Rudy drove us to this other part uh, bar which was an all native uh, bar and it was jam packed like the whole community was there their moms and dads and grandfathers they're all there in this big uh, kind of like uh, had like big tables and it was pretty raucous, the dance floor and everything. Uh, but we were the only non-native people that were there, I think. And they said, "Well, you know, there's an after party. You guys want to come to the after party?" And we said, "Sure, we'll come to the after party." So we get in the load in the car with these girls. There's two um, bigger, the the native girls. They're they're like full figure gals, you know. Like they're they're, they're um, there's a lot to them, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, I remember we had to sit in the back. We cram in with these girls, so we're kind of like. I don't even know if they were sitting on my lap or I was sitting on theirs. Like I think I it was. It was a good time though. I was a, sm- I was probably smaller, so maybe I was sitting on her lap. And they are bringing us onto the reserve <laughs> now, uh, where the party is supposed to be, right?
0: That's really. Are they taking you to their house?
1: We're getting deep, yeah. And we are going. <laughs> the, our first stop is their backyard. You know, there's no one there, just their house and their backyard. And the girl, the one girl who is near to me, and most of the stories I tell about my. Um, sexual prowess with the ladies—it goes nowhere because I have very bad luck with uh, women. i have i got one. I married her. That's what I'm really—I'm comfortable with that one. That I—I I didn't think I could pull it off twice. <laughs> and uh, but in this particular time, the opportunity was there if I if I wanted to because this particular native uh, girl was very. Um, aggressive. She was very aggressive. Oh, you
0: know? well, she didn't know you're a tree planter. You probably could have taken care of yourself. <laughs> she thought, "Oh, he's thin. Maybe I can I can, <laughs> I can I can handle this guy."
1: But no, she was making lots of moves and I just told her, uh, like I uh, I said, like, like, I wasn't interested, but that wasn't enough for her. She kept pursuing it. And then I said to her... He's um, just
0: playing hard to get.
1: And she said, what's the matter with you? Are you gay or something? And I said, <laughs> and I said well, as a matter of fact, I am. Like, I thought this is my way oh, out. Oh, that's a
0: great out. Yeah, I'm
1: out, right? I use that. So I said, I'm, uh, as a matter of fact, I am. I hope there's, uh, you know, no, no problems with that, you know, kind of thing. I said, I can get out of the situation. And uh, so the girls gave up on us. So then they brought us to the party that was going on. And, uh, I remember this girl still was kind of making advances thinking she could change me you know, <laughs> through the night, but I was interested in playing pool. And my friend was, uh, my, my one friend was sitting there and he, he came into the, well, first of all, we walked into this house, we walked into this house and there's this guy in a wheelchair that's uh, passed out with his head in the sink. And they're like, Oh, that's, that's uh, Carl or whatever. I don't forget his name, but it's like, we'll say he's Carl. He said, well, that's Carl. He got into a bad accident, and uh, insur- uh, insurance paid for this whole house, even the pool table, right? That wow. was the big selling feature. That's why this guy had the best house in the reserve, because he got a big insurance claim from his accident that crippled him. And uh, he was having a little sleep in the sink, because I think he had gone too far, into the- he-, he went too hard in this party. And we go down the basement, and there's a pool table there, and there's two older uh, Native guys who are sitting on a couch. And my buddy Todd sits down and... Uh, introduces himself to them and they're having a nice chat and the birthday boy comes down with one of the other full-figure gals and he's he's more open to the uh, idea of having uh, relationships with these girls so they've they've gone off to the back room and they're having a nice time i suppose and i am uh playing pool trying to bide time till we can go home because i'm not having a good time being pursued by this this beast of a woman and uh so I'm kind of running away from her, trying to avoid it. And finally, I've had enough. I'm like, I got to get out of here. You know, I got, I got to go home. And uh, so I go to my buddy Todd. I'm like, Todd, let's get out of here. And he's on the couch and he's shaking hands with this guy. And uh, his, he turns to me. His face is like white, and he's like, uh, "Just a minute, Pete. Just a minute." You know, like he's really, really nervous. Something's up. You know, something's going on. So I, I'm like. Uh, I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? He's like, just, what, just a minute, just a minute. He won't talk to me, you know? So I go get the lover boy out of the back room, and I said, let's get out of here. Let's go home. And I find Rudy, the guy that drove us in the car. I'm like, Rudy, take us back to the hotel, like, you know, the motel we are staying in. And uh, finally Todd leaves, he gets in the car, and he tells us a story. He says, as soon as he sat down, the guy's like, uh, hey, you ever killed a man? I killed a man. And he's shaking the guy's hand, introducing himself. And that, I noticed the guy was shaking his hand the whole time. Like, he'd never... You think you're safe because you're shaking my right hand? I'll I'll stab you with my left. And then like he pulls up his his uh, shirt and he shows that he's got a knife in his uh, in his pants, like a big a big like uh, one of those like crocodile Dundee knives, you know? Oh my goodness. And he's like I'll will stab you. I killed a man. You ever killed a man? Like he's like and the guys. So Todd's scared shitless because these these native guys are probably just messing with them, right? But they're the whole night they just want to they 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 want to make them as scared as they possibly can. We go back to the motel. Finally, we get refuge. We finally got away from this terrible situation. And we go off to Blind River to plant trees. And uh, friends of mine from university finished up the Massey crew. They, they came after I'd already left, and they, they planted trees in Massey. And at the very end, they came up to and saw me in Blind River. And apparently, while I was planting in Blind River, uh, and they were in Massey, uh, the whole tribe decided to come out and visit uh, the motel where the tree planters were staying uh, knocking on the door, looking for Pete the tree planter, because um, uh, the the boyfriend of the the woman that was uh, pursuing me, that I told I was gay to, uh, decided that she was going to break up with her boyfriend, because she was going to pursue a relationship with Pete the tree planter, f- who was at this Massey Hotel. Good one, Pete. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know if these guys were coming to beat up. I thought. It would make sense if they were coming to beat me up because I was gay, if there were a bunch of, like, backwards homophobes or something like that. Like, that would make sense. But f- they were coming to beat me up because I stole his girlfriend somehow. And I don't know how I would have done that, considering that I was an open, out-of-the-closet homosexual, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, what did you do? You got the whole town mad at you when you were there. And I'm like, really? I did nothing. I was really the most... I couldn't have been, like... M- more, less interested in that woman. You know, I don't understand it, but uh, I guess it's a real feather in my cap. You left your mark, yeah, yeah. Met, left my mark in Massey. She's probably still thinking about you right now. You think so? Yeah, you think so? Well, maybe she listens to the show. I don't know if I've got anybody from She'll Massey find listening. You. Yeah. If you are in Ma- uh, on the reserve in Massey, and you remember tree- uh, Pete the Tree Planner, reach out to me at uh, live from the Dutch Hall at gmail.com and we'll, uh, we'll reconnect. Sorry <laughs> about calling you a beast. <laughs> But anyways, uh, the what I noticed about that co- the whole time like you're going you're in the bush, and we were lucky we were staying in a hunting and fishing cabinet cabin so um, we had it pretty good we had a cabin we had beds we had mice and stuff like me and me and uh, this other oh, gross. me and this other fellow um, shared a, a twin bed and uh oh geez and oh, well. we got to know each other pretty quick eh? yeah so, totally. yeah, the so whole... these,
0: maybe these uh coming out of the closet wasn't uh
1: yeah i could i could i could, I could even prove it if the if they came up <laughs> to see me in blind river like i'm sleeping with a man every night more, what more do you want right because <laughs> you're in the <laughs> twin oh, bed funny. you're sleeping in this bed i'd have to like roll over and you know my little uh watch alarm clock would go off at four in the morning and you just tap on the show. mike you want to go tree plant? <laughs> Just whisper in his ear.
0: Will you get up and put on the coffee?
1: <laughs> Me and uh, this one guy, Todd, would would make a point of waking up early because we didn't like driving with the drunk in the van. So we would take the <laughs> we would take the truck because uh, and we go on the, uh, the the logging trails early in the morning. It was about an hour drive down the logging trails into the into the bush before you get to your site and uh we would go early in the morning like before anyone else so that we could see the wildlife cuz uh, that's how it started oh
0: yeah right? the first person down the road you get to see all the wildlife
1: right you could see all the uh, the rabbits and the and the bears and the, the moose and stuff like that you'd see a whole bunch of different stuff it was really cool for for me cuz it's a lot of the stuff we don't have around here so it was pretty neat but by the end of the project when you start going squirrely, um we started to you'd kill a lot of rabbits eh like by accident they jump out at your truck cuz it's your first thing in and at first uh, we would um, be kind of hor- kind of like ah you know like horrified by it, but then as your brain starts to go a little nutty from all the, the black flies and the and just the uh, being away from people and the uh, mount
0: spending a lot of time on your lo- on your own
1: on your own sleep deprivation. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you're going crazy, and uh, we started to make it a game. on seeing how many rabbits we could run over oh on the d- God, drive that's into the terrible. bush. <laughs> so
0: you're saving the planet and killing the rabbits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> rabbits are disposable. I think you can ask anyone in the world. Ask the Australians; they hate rabbits, right? Um, but we one time our record was forty-five rabbits in one drive-in. You the are kidding me. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. That um, the van, when the van came in behind us, like, it was a record. Like, our next yeah, highest well, record was, like, probably 15 or something. If
0: I, if I drove down the road and saw 45 40 rabbit carcasses, <laughs> yeah. I would be, like, thinking I was going to have a pretty bad day or it was a
1: sign from God or something. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. They're like, what happened? It was just carnage on that path. And we were actually going out of our way to get them, like, by the end because we, we were trying to get a record, right?
0: <laughs> so you got up really early and you waited for them and then you would just floor
1: it. Well, you'd see them, like, we'd actually go down and... Like you know, off the path a little bit to get that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible stuff. PETA can call me or whatever. I don't give a shit. It's it's past. I was nuts at the time. I, I've seen no me today. Saying I'm not going to go kill forty five rabbits in a day. And leave them laying.
0: I've never seen 45 minute, or 45 rabbits at once in one day. I can't imagine oh, really? even seeing that many.
1: Oh, it was crazy. We'd even hit three at a time and stuff like that. It was like a rabbit oh, party. Oh,
0: come on. It sounds like a video game.
1: It was. It was like a video game. It was completely surreal. It was the most surreal thing that we, I've ever lived through. That's why it's a story.
0: You could have, like, went into business with Rabbit Lucky Rabbit's feet or something. Should have brought a knife. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, we did nothing with them. We just left them like we were just murderers. We we're just like Well you fenced ver- something. It was so. blood sport. That's all it was, just blood sport for us.
0: Maybe the Wolverine population really got heavy there or something. Maybe or eat rabbits, I don't know.
1: Buzzards or something. W- my, we had uh I had a buddy of my Portuguese buddy when we were growing up and uh I, I he was I hung out with Portuguese guys because they were usually a grade behind so they could drive earlier so they could get me off the farm, right? If you had a Portuguese <laughs> friend he had a car in grade ten where I had to wait to grade eleven to get my license. Not to mention, he was a nice guy, and I liked him. He was a good person. But um, I remember we t- he did something nice for my family, my younger brother and sister. He's like, I'll take you to uh, Brantford to the to the uh, Gretzky Center, take them swimming. You know. So at the time, my my sister's probably like ten, you know, like a and uh, my brother's eleven, you know, and he's nice enough to take us for a swim at the rec center. But when he was going there, he ran over a uh, a jackrabbit, a big jackrabbit, and uh, he couldn't believe that he had ran it over so cleanly over the head that he was just excited. He goes, This is perfect. I'm gonna bring this home and my mom can cook it. It's gonna be great, right? And I'm like, You can't my sister's like horrified that we even killed this rabbit, you know? I'm like, You can't just what are you gonna do with it? Like we still have to go to Brantford yet. Like we it's the middle it's a uh, warm weather and you're gonna put it in a hot trunk, uh with her, next to our swimming gear, like a dead rabbit? Like it's like, No, you leave leave it on the road like and he's like, What are you talking about? It's a perfect rabbit, it's gonna be perfect to eat right and i'm like well you, but i go well, you can't just put a carcass in the tr- hot trunk while we go swimming for an hour and let it i just don't think that's the right thing to, isn't that going to be bad when you bring it home you
0: i don't know? know i think there's a lot of people out there in this world that would probably you know be happy if the rabbit was in the trunk all day to get it
1: <laughs> Real, like is they're hungry you mean yeah we have grocery stores and stuff yeah but and, some people don't maybe Well, this guy did.
0: Yeah, this guy did. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) He just
1: wanted the rabbit. I mean, I am nothing wrong with eating a rabbit, even if it is roll kill. So it was
0: probably a manly thing. He just wanted to be like, look at, I got this rabbit. You know, I'm bringing, I'm providing for the family. Yeah,
1: he was a hunter and stuff too. And he's like, well, this is a perfectly good meat. I just killed it. It's not like somebody else killed it a week ago and it's full of worms or something. It's like, it's a fresh rabbit. Just killed it. Easy hunting. What's the difference between killing it with a gun or killing it with a car? Like, it's a perfectly good kill you know you could have stopped
0: at the store and got a bag of ice maybe
1: yeah probably but it still wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't erase the horror from my little 10 year old sister's true. memory you know that was more what i was concerned about he he was mad at me the whole trip he wouldn't he he would uh because i was i said just no <laughs> i refuse like i said refuse i said no like uh we are not we can't drive around with a dead rabbit my sister's too upset and you know and anyway so i don't know how we got out of that but it uh Sorry, Tony. Sorry about making you, <laughs> making you miss your rabbit. <laughs> um, so anyways, do you, so do you see the, because you've been doing it for 13 years, cause you did tree planting for 13 years. Did you see, you must have saw all kinds of people in and out. Like we, did you have a lot of attrition? Do you have a lot of people that can't handle it?
0: Oh God. Yeah. A lot of people come out and they quit right away. And I I thought, you know, if my boyfriend had been a tree planter in those years, I would have quit as well. I was really terrible. My first year, my paycheck was $80. For the whole year? Yeah, for the whole year. So I was, like, really lame. But I really had a good time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We had one girl that all she did, she must have really hated her parents, because all she did was uh, stand in the middle of the forest and swat flies. You know, she never, I don't think she planted a tree the whole time. Yeah. No interest in making money, just there to get away and do something different. Um, But yeah, for me, I think by the time I knew how much money I made, but then they by the time they took off your money for your lodging and they, he tried he would always want the owner would always want to play uh, poker with us at night and gamble trees.
0: <laughs> so, oh, that's dangerous. Yeah,
1: we play guts and he would like, make you bet trees and then you'd have to, you know, some people were getting cleaned out like they'd work a whole day for him for nothing, you know, and I, it was just crap, you know. Get the kids drunk and then try to try to steal the trees that they were planting from you know so even the guys that worked hard a lot of them came home with not that much money like it wasn't that lucrative like yeah i think i made a couple grand for eight weeks like it wasn't that's uh, not the best it wasn't the best yeah Yeah.
0: BC's better money yeah yeah when i did when i found out like you can make some serious money you know i just kept getting better and better and better i never really plateaued which was always made me want to go back oh can i beat it you know
1: yeah yeah so now, And you develop a skill set. It's hard not to use it, right? Like, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And it was like the whole meditation of it, you know, because you have to focus so much on not wasting one movement because that movement all day is going to cost you like 100 bucks or something.
1: Yeah, 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 right. Did you have any uh, encounters with wildlife when you were up there?
0: Um, I was pretty um, loving wildlife. Like, I wouldn't be scared. There would be grizzly bears on our blocks and stuff like that on the coast, and I would have my headphones on full blast. The other uh, members of my crew would always, like, group together and work and I would just be off on my own and with my headphones on and I was pretty at peace with the whole idea and they didn't really scare me. Do you and, see them? Uh, you'd see them Oh yeah, I'd see grizzly bears and because um, we were on the coast there was lots of salmon and you know you would see all kinds of uh, bears for sure. This year um, where we were there wasn't grizzlies but uh, we were in our first fly-in camp was 12 days. And I think seven tents got ripped apart by bears. Oh, really? Lots of bear activity. And every day that we were on the block, which is, you know, the area we call where we work there would be bear activity so i would always be like i had this little tiny air horn because i was out there as a foreman now protecting yeah, yeah. my crew yeah yeah. and uh somebody ended up blowing their air horn on the last day and it barely even made a noise so i oh, really? i glad i didn't really have to use it i saw had one bear on my block and i was like hey bear like look it's me you know you kind of should get out of here and it kind of we checked each other out and then just kind of walked away
1: Oh, really? That was it? Yeah. Your I heart had, must, I, it was still enough to get your heart pumping, I imagine.
0: No, I, I thought it was like, I love bears. They're pretty beautiful. I remember once, uh, I've never been in a tree planting company that had to kill a bear, and I love that because I probably would have quit. But um, I was in this area before, probably like my third year planting, and we were in an isolation camp that we flew in by helicopter. And we were at the heli landing pad, which is uh, really noisy. Um, and uh, the helicopter would come and pick people up every 15 minutes. And so you'd be waiting there, everyone. And uh, the helicopter had just left, and one of the camp dogs had ran into the bear den and pulled the bear back. So it came right to where the helicopter was landing, and we're all standing there. And because like we have gourmet food and these air, you know, these beautiful s- smells drifting, the bears of course would come in and check it out. They're really curious. So our, uh, we're, our camp was at the point where the foreman would be walking around with guns in the middle of the night. So you're scared as, you know, you're in your tent. You don't want to get out to pee because you're scared that, you know, they'll hear a noise. They're half asleep and they're going to shoot you. You're
1: more afraid of the guy with the gun than the bear. Yeah,
0: exactly. So this one morning when the bear came running in the helicopter pad, of course, the foreman's there, whips out the gun. And I was horrified. So I went and stood on the other side of the bear so that he couldn't shoot him. So then the bear got away. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: He was going to shoot the bear?
0: Yeah, he was going to shoot the bear because he was right where all the people were.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Well, that's, and you you saved the bear.
0: I saved the bear's life.
1: Oh, yeah. That's why they don't bug you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You got it's a just rep. good karma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that people actually have, like, a pheromone that, like, attracts bears or something. Because the one guy I met had just had this incredible number of bear occurrences. It's just, it was abnormal, so.
1: It was a guy, too, right?
0: Yeah, and I think, I don't know if he was scared of them or something. I don't think he was really scared, but maybe he was letting off some kind of chemical thing. I don't know. Yeah, Ma- kind of maybe
1: weird. he gave off, uh, it was a, he would seem like a threat. Was he yeah. a burly guy?
0: He was a burly guy. Yeah, Maybe he was a bear. Yeah, he was a bear. If he was if he was homo, he would be the bear.
1: Yeah, he wasn't the twinkie. I would have been the twink, <laughs> especially in those especially in those in those years. I'm, I think I'm bearish now with all the hair growing in as I as I age. Yeah, you do
0: look really hairy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> People can't see at home, but
1: yes, I'm covered in hair. For those that have never seen a picture of me, I'm completely covered in hair. I'm trying to grow my forehead in right now. It's like I think I can do it. The eyebrows are getting bushy enough. I'm just going to comb it up into my receding hairline, and then it will. It'll just be a full wolfman child.
0: You will probably get implants. I heard people in New York are getting implants for those hipster beards. Implants for beards? You've never heard of that?
1: No, yeah. no. They're just so like that's like um, if you can't grow if you can't grow a hipster beard, you're not supposed to have one like that. You can't just yeah, make. Yeah, but a... people get breast implants. Yeah, you know what? People also get their. Um, their vaginas lasered, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, '70s Bush comes back in, and now you have these poor lasered, uh, lasered vaginated women that can't partake in the new fashion trend, right?
0: Maybe they'll get the implants.
1: Yeah, the beard they, implants. Yeah, yeah. I just saw that. Uh, that was a. Uh, I just saw the Chelsea Handler special that she had on, and she talked about that. And uh they were. She was saying that the. um this, the, what's that stuff? I should know this Mascara? too. Mascara. No, it's like a chemical you can, or it's some sort of treatment you put on for glaucoma on your eyelashes. I should know this. My, if my wife was here, she'd know it. And, and, the, and women buy it and they put it on their eyelashes and make their eyelashes more full.
0: Oh, I think I should invest in that. I have terrible eyelashes.
1: Yeah, yeah. They want it. They're always going into my wife's um, optometry office and asking for it. There's always people asking for it because, and she, um, we can't provide it. But, oh, really? But it would be nice for. We can provide it for medical purposes, but we can't provide it for fashion or for like a uh, uh, cosmetic purposes, you know. But uh, they said if you use this on your vagina, it might stimulate hair growth again. <laughs> that's what they said. And in uh, Japan, they have um, uh, they have like these like toupee things. Really? Yeah, like pubic uh, hair toupees. Pubic hair toupees. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Because they wanted to have a more robust uh, pubis, I think.
0: <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Well, people bejewel themselves.
1: Yeah, or yeah, yeah. When they
0: put on uh, toupees.
1: Toupees, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a really, uh, to me, it's. I think you should just deal with what you got. It's a lot easier. It's a lot. Of, I don't have to do anything. This is natural. What God made me. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to dye my hair. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let myself go normally and then just deal with the humiliation of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a great way to look. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's the way I live. So uh, you met this fella in your last uh trek right yeah, or was well, it he
0: was yeah it was on a, a, an odd thing i did uh, for tree planting it was in Guelph so it was kind of like a uh, more re re-foresting uh, gravel pits and stuff people's farms it's not normally what i would do but it was something to just to kind of get me in shape before i went out west so uh jumped on the crew there and uh he was talking he told me he was an actor and i told him i was a producer and then um uh, turned out later on in the summer after I had gone to BC my business partner who was in uh, Guelph uh, a, a really talented cinematographer Tyler Young had uh, I had connected them before I left and um, so Brandon who was the actor had put him in touch with his friend who had a script so they emailed it to me in BC and I read it and I fell in love with it he had a really great writing I didn't quite get it because it was uh not really a subject that I was too familiar with, but uh, I liked his cultural references like Jack Kerouac and Andy Warhol and Mazzy Starr and things like that, and I loved that he wanted to do it in film noir, like Jean-Luc Godard and it was an art film, really and uh, for my friend who was a cinematographer it was was a really nice fit so everything just kind of lined up and they all were waiting for me to produce it so that it would happen and uh, so I agreed and and, uh, it happened really fast, actually it wasn't really in my plans, but I was was really happy that it was happening.
1: So if you're the producer, then you're kind of in charge of finding the money, aren't you?
0: Um, Well, the guy who had the script came with some money and... uh not very much. I think we made it for three thousand dollars, which is crazy. What the yeah, whole film? The for whole three... film for three thousand dollars. As the producer, I was more in charge of finding things for free, which I found oh. everything for free. It was incredible what I could uh, manifest.
1: Uh, thus, the du- again, it all comes back to the Dutch, eh? I know, yeah.
0: like people just seem to like want to give me stuff. Like I got a convertible and a transport truck, and actually, it was pretty funny. We needed to do two um, of the characters' home scenes in their apartments. And uh, there was the old Wyndham Art Supply Store, which is a kind of, you know, people, anybody from Guelph would know it. And uh, the city had kicked out all of the occupants because they they wanted to level it and put a library. But the city had ran out of money before they could level it. So it was open and it was there. So I went to the film liaison from Guelph and I asked if we could use it for three days to um, shoot those apartment scenes. And she agreed. And she went on vacation. Well, we moved the whole production in. Everybody who was involved had their own apartment. Uh, we set up the internet. We had the cooks in there cooking. We had the building for a month. It was awesome. And <laughs> I, I didn't stay there myself. I had my office was across the street and it was air conditioned, but we were working such long days that I was mostly crashing in the office on the leather on the leather leather sofa. But um made it like a really nice home base for everybody. And, um, yeah, so it was interesting, just the things that uh, just crossed our paths when we needed them. Like, I remember the Corvette getting canceled, or, the, sorry, not the Corvette, the convertible getting canceled, like, last minute, and the scenes we were going to shoot were the next day. And Oh, no. So I, sp- I had to spend hours, I was supposed to be on set that day, but I spent hours driving around and asking people, like, where I would see a cor- uh, convertible. Can I? Can we use this for a shoot?
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man. That, yeah. That's why. Uh... It's pretty gorilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one I I I I, I thought I knew it was going to it was low budget like in the article I read it said that you did it for for no money but I would never would have suspected that little amount of money. Yeah,
0: right. like I've never even heard of anybody doing a film for that little bit of money. No. And like I think and
1: a full-length feature. Like it's a full-length it's a 90-minute movie, right?
0: Yeah, it's a 90-minute movie. It was uh and, like even out of the three thousand, I think we bought a camera for twenty two hundred so there was eight hundred haulers left over for the production, which was crazy. but we had like um this we had so many sponsors, like meow, which is a pretty well known um vintage clothing store, um sponsored all the costumes or the outfits for the characters, and uh we had like a great salon that jumped on board to do all the hair and makeup every day for right. the characters.
1: That is crazy, eh? just to be yeah. able to uh, to corral that many people and that 's one thing if you were in a bigger center like a like Los Angeles or New York or something and you, or even Toronto, and you try to make a movie just to try to find people that are willing to do it for nothing, I just don 't think you're going to find it because they they 're yeah. not doing it for the art anymore you know they 're doing it because it 's their career and they want the money and they don 't see the i mean I'm sure you can always get people starting out yeah, that, are, that that's, are more kind
0: of what we were we we're all people starting out and and it's really hard to like do a project if you don't have one under your belt you can't get grants or you know nobody believes in you or wants to invest in you but you know that's kind of i knew i had would have to do one big project before i could uh, you know apply for any of those things so it was it fit my bill it fit my my needs for sure
1: well no and all the all those guys get a credit now right they yeah all, they yeah. were
0: all just graduating from the guelph theater program so they're all actors and one of our actors uh ryan kotak who plays Dwayne in the film and he's got uh, he's got all of his interesting uh, things that he goes through but he um, he was he was it was interesting to work with him like he turned everything in his apartment backwards like his paintings and stuff like that and he really went in For about a week before we shot he went into the focus of being the character
1: oh like a method actor
0: yeah totally and he would uh like anybody who came to visit him they'd have to because he had he was a character with a mental illness so anybody who came to visit him would have to say that they were a doctor or they were like they would be in a role in this this his character Dwayne's life so Uh, I'm sure that didn't get all of his friends eh yeah and he was you know he was so fantastic like he did a really great performance and he ended up uh being in another friend of ours uh movie and he won best uh actor at the Canadian Snow and Blood Festival. Oh really? In Toronto, yeah. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, he's
0: really talented. Now he's in all kinds of things, but
1: Oh, that's great. And you get but then now that's almost that's that's the beautiful part about it is that you don't know especially when you got young people starting out. You don't know you could be dealing with someone that's a uh, that goes on to do great things, you know? Oh,
0: yeah. That's Could be my, you. That's my hope, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Something they're going to do is going to, like, make it really huge, and then it'll just, everybody will want this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you keep denouncing to people that you're doing, you can do a movie for 3,000 bucks, I think no, everybody's going to be in line. Yeah, totally.
0: I can't, I can't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I can't even believe it. That's just amazing. So, uh, you said, so uh, it came to, from that, you got it made, and then how did it, Uh, you just did you shop it to the film festival is that how they picked it up
0: Um, well one of the people in the film festival that helps organize it is a friend of mine who who came down here to be an actor in a commercial shoot we did on Long Point and uh it was like a romantic kind of, you know, hair blowing in the wind kinda of, we had a unicorn on Long Point Beach. Yeah, I know oh. I know it's pretty rare to find, but like yeah. as a producer <laughs> I can manifest things. And uh so I kinda kept in contact with him over Facebook and I just saw, you know, that he's he said, Oh all of our submissions are um are in now, you know, and we're past the time and I I said, Oh I should have put my film in as a kind of a joke and he said, Oh well submit it, you know. And uh yeah, they picked it, so they there was five hundred films uh, um, submitted, and um, they picked a hundred oh, and yeah. he said, we didn't fast track it, I swear like my everybody watched it, and they really loved it, so
1: that's oh, that's good. great, yeah, yeah. because uh, otherwise, what would you have done?
0: um well, I wanted to shop it, um I haven't quite had the time because i'm I'm just really super busy, but um I wanted to eventually just maybe market it a little bit i was thinking about putting it on tour myself and then um, putting it online to stream and people could pay i don't know like three dollars or something to watch it but building the audience first and it's got a like it's an art film so it's a really niche market but it's interesting the cinematography is fantastic the performances are fantastic
1: have you have you uh uh, did you do you pay attention to what kevin smith uh to kevin smith's career
0: I don't
1: know who that is. Uh, I did Clerks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he did Red State. Red State was uh, kind of, uh, it, was a, it was supposed to be his last movie or, or one of the last movies he was saying he was done from Hollywood. He had done cler- uh, Clerks and Mallrats and uh, A Dogma, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, those sort of, sort of movies. And, and he came from independent film. And then he uh, Jersey Girl was one of the big ones he did. And I think he even directed a few, like, Hollywood-type movies there was one with tracy morgan and bruce willis that he did that cop out i think it was called right a real hollywood film and i think he admits himself that that wasn't his favorite project but sometimes you gotta get paid right and then um but he did red state and he was like i'm not doing this through the through the theaters anymore i'm gonna shop it myself i'm just gonna take it around tour it do q and a's at the end and i and then i can control it it's all mine and and i apologize if i'm getting it wrong but my that's my understanding of it and then uh and so it was like really he ended up getting really critically it, it, it was really critically acclaimed and it, it did really well. Um, but he in the but the part that people couldn't get their head around was how he was doing it without being part of the machine. You know how he how he could have the gall to circumvent the the big machine that was that's Hollywood, right? And I think with nowadays with what we have accessible to us on the internet and. The way we can reach an audience through social media and through all the means that we have uh, we you don 't need to have somebody find you don 't have any you don't have to have anyone but the audience see see uh the good things in your art like yeah, you't totally. don't, you don't have to wait for some stuffed shirt that doesn't really get it that's there that 's handling the business end of it but doesn't understand the art end of it you don't have to try to make sure they get it before you can have an audience see it you can just go to the audience and circumvent the douchebags you know yeah. which is really a nice thing about today's day and age
0: i know it's amazing like uh that's what i've been reading is f- as for doing distribution like i think traditionally people have gone to film festivals hoping that a distributor is going to be sitting in the audience fall in love with it and have a deal on the table but I think that what I've been reading lately is that's just, you're going to be throwing money away because you can do that all yourself. You can just exactly what you said. You can directly hit your market. You just, you know, you have to spend a little bit more time, of course, like marketing it. And that's basically what you're going to be paying a distributor way too much to do. But um, you, yeah, you, you have a direct market now. You can go and find your audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what's great. I think a lot of good stuff is going to get made and is getting made right now that, Ten years ago I would never see the light of day that would never you know it might even if it was made it was made at your own expense and left on a shelf to collect dust and you know the the audience that would have loved it would never have had a chance to see it you know and nowadays there is so much content out there it's hard to find the stuff because there's just so much of it but it, there is also some real gems hidden in a bunch of, in all that and all that content and uh, I think some of them are starting to bubble to the surface you see a lot of really good shows like that ordinary like uh i just i i'm more in uh the comedy like i i, I watch mostly comedies like I, uh so for me to see little shows like uh impractical jokers and stuff like that that are just a bunch of guys getting together and doing their own thing and they're getting picked up and they're get, getting their own audience and getting big markets and you see a lot of people that are now just taking it on themselves like louis ck did Started selling his stand-up at five bucks a pop because he was sick of getting it stolen, and then so now he just he's doing his own thing, and then you see like uh, other comedians are starting to follow suit, and I think a lot of them are wishing he would have charged more than five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) But at least instead of stealing something now, you know you can get it real easy for five bucks. You know, like why would you steal something if if it's cheap enough? You know, then you know the artist is getting something. But
0: yeah, just recently I rented a loft in uh, downtown Simcoe. Uh, Cue the sirens. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah i don't know if i got that sound effect i should see if i got it no, but I
0: don't. uh i got it because um I, I really want to do sketch comedy i think it's so much fun and like you like i love watching comedy and i think it's uh i think it would be a really great lifestyle to be making that for people you know making people laugh like what could be better than that so i a lot of my friends are actors here and um i'm excited to see where it's gonna go and who's gonna come out of the woodwork like we had uh Last Friday was the first time we did it, and we had I think three people, but I think there was a lot more interested. They just couldn't make it, so I think it's going to be a kind of a Friday night thing at my uh, at my apartment, and see how uh, just how it evolves and how it grows. But the same thing, like finding the audience and
1: yeah, yeah, plant a seed and see what happens with it. Yeah, absolutely. that's that's the best. That's all this show is. So, <laughs> Grassroots. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just see it keep happening, and that that brings us as a nice segue into a little segment that we call a uh, feedback. We got. Feedback. We got feedback. Feedback. Uh, Welcome to Feedback We Got Feedback, everybody. And this week's episode, uh, or this week's segment of Feedback We Got Feedback, is brought to you by our friends at Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. If you go to the Live from the Dutch Hall website and you click on the Amazon banner before you do your shopping, a little bit of uh, the proceeds from your sale will come back to help out the show. And I'd like to thank everybody who has done it so far. We're slowly totally clicking up like pennies at a time. We're going to soon I'll be filthy rich because of all your help. Uh, or not. Probably more than likely not. Um, also, i also like to give a shout out to our good friends at VG Meats. VG Meats has, have a deal going on until November 31st. I'm going to do my... Uh, I have to do... Oh, there it is. This week's or uh, this this uh, campaign is t- that goes as I said from till November thirty first. It's twenty five percent off country style smoked smoked ham, or you can buy one get one free. Buy a package of pulled pork and get the second package free, and that's from our good friends at VG Meats. And we are actually getting those boys from VGs together to come in here and talk about. Uh, they're actually talking about doing a steak um, coming in and serving me steaks, which I think sounds like a great idea. And uh, so they're coming in. Um, we're just working out the dates, but hopefully within the next week or so, we can get those guys in, and, and they should be, it should be a really fun show. So thanks again to the VG Meets and uh, I'm going to give them a round of applause, actually. Go. There we go. Thank you, crowd. You're a little late on it. All right. So that's the advertising out of the way. I apologize. I know everybody hates it, but we have to do it. And uh, so this week, we like to welcome our new w- listeners from uh, Rexham, UK, from Tehran, Albania, London, England, Glasgow, Scotland, and Waterloo, Ontario. Thanks to the new listeners. (laughs) The one thing that happened this week, too, that I'm really excited about, and you'll notice a lot of the new listeners we have there are are UK listeners, and I think some of that has to do with uh, the fact that this week uh, uh, I was named, I think it wasn't even the show, because my accolade I got was the coolest one, I'm, I was listed as one of the coolest podcasters in the UK by New Media Europe, which I did. Which, uh, oh, thank you, crowd. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. We'll make that real short because to be honest with you, I was really happy about it until I looked into it. And then when I looked into it, it's a list of about a zillion people, but it's still, uh, there was one person from London, England that listened to my show. And then the next day, I was listed on this list. So this guy thought enough of me to actually put me on uh, the list of the coolest podcasters in the uk and since that time we've noticed a lot of uh a lot of listeners that have come from that region of the world so i do want to thank all the new listeners and i hope you like it and if you'd like to give me some more feedback please go to uh, you can either follow me on twitter at dutch hall on twitter or you can go to my facebook page live from the dutch hall uh on facebook Or give me an email at Hall at gmail.com and just let me know what you think of the show so we can make it better. I'd love to hear some of my international listeners reach out to me. And while we're at it, uh, talking about Facebook, we hit a milestone this week, and uh, this is going to lead us to our listener of the week. Uh, Our milestone was our 100th like. When we started, we had zero likes, of course, because the show didn't exist. And it only took us uh, 45 weeks to get to 100 likes. I know, I think my sister put out something for... I don't know. She can put out something about uh, a recipe or something like that. She'll get like uh, 500 likes about it. You know, it took me almost a year to get 100 people like my program that I slave at. But this week's 100th listener, this monumental—or not 100th listener, but 100th like of my Facebook page—will be my listener of the week, and that is Stosh Bush. You are the 100th guy, and you will be the listener of the week. Thank you, Stosh. Go, crowd, grow. You love it. Come on. That's for you, Stosh. That's feedback. We got feedback. But every week, we feedback we got feedback is not complete unless we talk to our good friend, the Haitian dwarf. Let's play the song. Haitian Dwarf. So every week we reach out to our good friend, the Haitian Dwarf, who's been with us since the very beginning, giving us feedback week after week. And this week is no exception. Actually, we had to get it a little early because we're recording the show early today. And he still, he came through like he does every week. And this week's review is five stars, five stars. It says, way to stick with the theme. I don't know what he means by that, but he says, way to stick with the theme. The beeve was nothing short of a great guest, and there's always room for more beauties in the lineup. And he's, of course, referring to the episode... Beauties in the Beef, which we did last week, and uh, there was a, two two beauties, Jane Van Dyke and uh, Julie Sties, and uh, and my buddy the Beef, uh, Derek Van Hooten. And it says, in terms of your romantic advice, I may opt for a sur- surgical procedure instead. I think a certain reduction might even things out. Do you think this is a good idea? Love from the Haitian Dwarf. So thank you, Haitian Dwarf. Thank you. <laughs> To keep him short now what haitian dwarfs referring to there tanya is um his uh he's a little person as you as you might guess by his name and uh, what his problem was that we discussed on last week's show is that his, uh, he's not he's um he gets a lot of attention from the ladies because he's proportionally incorrect apparently his genitals are larger than his body uh would would uh, lead you to believe they should be And this has allowed him to get a lot of attention from women, but he feels that it's uh, detracting from his own personality and that he feels that uh, he wants people to love him for who he is. And uh, so, therefore, I mean, I'm a little concerned that he says he wants to do some sort of uh, body, uh, uh, what do you call it, mutilation or something. I don't don't mean about mutilation, but body enhancements, reduction of it. And I'm, I'm assuming he means a reduction of his genitals. And I don't like it. You know, we talked about it earlier. I'm the way God made me. And I'm going to stick it out to the end. And I, my advice would be the same for the Haitian dwarf. But that being said, uh, it just happened. I was reading the Huffington Post, Weird News Today. And uh, the Huffington Post always comes out with some real dandies. And this week is no exception. And this might lead the Haitian dwarf to think differently about things. But let me see if I can bring this up on my uh, on my feedback. <laughs> there's a picture of him. Can you see him? <laughs> He actually, This there's a man, this guy's name is, uh, let's see what his name is. A man that goes by the name Gelding recently opened up about why he decided to cut his penis and testicles off and become a Nolo. They call these guys nullos. Have you ever heard of a Nolo?
0: I've never heard of a Nolo.
1: A nullo, nullo, like null, like zero, <laughs> with an O at the end. And a Nolo is apparently someone that cuts his genitals off because they feel that they have too much... Uh, Focus on the genitals in their life, and then by cutting it off, it allows them to live a more fruitful existence where they can uh, live without th- having to worry about the dangling parts between their legs. They can just go ahead and be free. How with does he pee? Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because it does address it in the article how he pees is sitting down, and every once in a while, where he only has a urinal if you're in a bathroom with where there's only a urinal, he has this funnel type device which he can put on his where his uh,
0: like women can get,
1: I'd t- imagine. I think well, so. if you want to pee in a urinal, I guess you could use the same thing, right? Well, women use the tree planting actually
0: to bring us all like full circle. <laughs>
1: oh, do they really? I don't, but I know I know women that do. Why do they do it? So they can stand
0: up and pee? Yeah, so they don't. Yeah, I guess so. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Does it have a hose on it? I don't know if it has a hose. I've never actually seen it. I oh, think no? it's pretty personal. I never wanted to ask them to see it, but I guess I should
1: have maybe. Do you know? This is off topic. We'll get back to this guy who cut his uh, penis off. But uh, have you ever heard of the? Um, Diva cup?
0: Yeah, of course. I
1: used to use a diva
0: cup. You I should, did? I should get another diva cup. It. It's way healthier. It's natural rubber.
1: It, it, but it. Uh, I don't. Understand. I thought it funneled it out, but it doesn't. It collects no, it. Collects it. it. Collects it. In, a, in a cup. In a cup. And then you just dispose of it.
0: Well, you don't throw the cup out. You reuse you ru- it. You you rinse it. You out. You rinse it out. You clean it, and it's natural rubber, so it's actually not bad for your body. Where tampons actually um, make you bleed more.
1: Tampon makes you bleed more?
0: Yeah, it's actually not very good for your body. So it's a really natural route to go for women.
1: Really? You know, there's a podcast called um, The Crimson Tide. And it's uh, girls from Toronto that do it, The Crimson Tide. And for months, I've been trying to get on this podcast or as a guest because I'm fascinated with the female reproductive system. I have two, I have two uh, daughters and a wife. I live with all women. Growing up, I grew up with mostly friends, like a lot of women, too. Like I had most of the kids my age I hung out with are all girls. And so I got involved in these conversations whether I liked it or not because I was the only guy in the room. They just discounted me as a guy anyways, right? So uh, you'd learn a bunch, right? And then when I went away to school, I read the uh, – I remember uh, I was friends with the girls I lived with in university. And then they would have the tampon boxes and a, with the booklet inside. And then I would read – I read the whole booklet, front to back. I knew a lot of – I haven't
0: even read the booklet. Yeah, what does it that's say? That's what I'm
1: talking about. It, it, well, what it says, and none, none of the girls did. And so I'd go around and ask them questions to see if they knew it, and then none of them knew. And I said, "Well, I do, you know." So I'm, I, what I'm saying to these girls of the Crimson Tide, I've told them, they they won't re- respond to my uh, messages. They have never responded to one Come of my on, messages. Ladies. But the, uh, what I'm telling them is that I'm I'm gonna be a great guest for you. I know stuff. I know material. I got a different perspective, that of a guy with raising girls that are gonna have to go through the same thing or are going through the same, th- like all those things. I said, I I can't believe that you that they wouldn't want to have me on the show maybe they're intimidated by you i don't know i think they don't like me i don't know i don't know there i i have a feeling i'm not positive but i have a feeling that they may they not this matters at all but i I have a feeling that they may be lesbians and the only reason that i think this might be an issue is because personally if i have a bias about lesbians at all it would be that they hate men right therefore me being a man uh, i would think that they just think they're kind of uh there's something they don't like about me, right? But that would be like saying guys, like a a homosexual guy, right? They tend to have a lot of girlfriends, right? So why wouldn't a lesbian woman have a lot of boyfriends? You know, why wouldn't they hang out with us? Maybe
0: they're freaked out by you. Like, I don't think guys usually take an interest in women's uh, menstruation. They don't? (laughs) You're probably the first guy I've ever
1: met. (laughs) Really? Because it's interesting. It's just something so different. Like, no one... And you have to deal with it. Like, honestly, I'm my wife works a lot like there's a lot of times where if something happens with our kids in that department and there's i'm the one handling it you know like and so for me not to be educated on those matters i would it would be irresponsible almost like i got to be there for my like if you're a young girl going through that stuff for the first time i mean that's going to be traumatic
0: yeah I was uh, actually only my parents had been divorced at that point when i when that happened to me when i was uh hitting puberty i guess and uh I lived with my father, so he uh, actually had to go through that. And he would just say, just let me know when you need to get that big blue box. <laughs> yeah. That was our code word. And I'd yeah. be like, I'll just call mom and she can tell you.
1: <laughs> Did you, He didn't have to tell you about what was going on or anything like that? No, no, I was
0: educated in school.
1: And, and you had an older sister too, right? <laughs> had two older sisters. Two older, two older sisters? Yeah. yeah. So they they both had been through it? And yeah. You kind of saw it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a tough one. I remember I was I went on vacation with, a, with good friends of ours and... um our, our daughters were just really small at the time. And uh, my friend told me, like, she was, like, um, saying, what are you going to do when your kids uh, have their period, right? And I'm like, "I had ne- it never occurred to me. Like, they were, like, <laughs> two and three at the time, you know? Like, they'll never have periods. Like, that's never going to happen, right? <laughs> but that's surely. And I'm like, well, she, he, she says, well, there's a good chance that you're going to have to deal with this stuff, so you better get prepared for it. And it, it screwed me up big time. Like, I was, like, <laughs> really, like, holy crap. Crap, I can't imagine having to deal with that because it's so uh, traumatic, you know, for the girls. I remember my... Uh, I shouldn't even talk about it, but... I have seen girls, I would put it this way. I know girls who, when they first had their their period, their very first period, they were... Um, it really... Upset them. They're really mad about it because they didn't want to grow up yet. You know, like they
0: yeah wanted just to really inconvenient.
1: Yeah, and then and it, and they were just a kid, like a like just before it happened. They were just a kid, that had no cares in the world. They had no responsibilities. They had nothing to worry about. And then all of a sudden, now today, and for every month for the rest of my or for the for the foreseeable future, let's say, until I hit menopause, I have to deal with this on a monthly basis, right? and uh, the responsibility kicks in and whether you like it or not you were you have to grow up and then you have to become responsible because you got to take care of this stuff right and it changes them completely and if you're not ready for it even though your your body tells you, you are uh you have to it's a really tough thing for young girls to deal with
0: yeah funny enough actually back to tree planting again there was a girl who took a pill that she didn't get her period when we were tree planting this summer
1: was she afraid of bears?
0: I never heard of that. Yeah, Sharks. I know that's what they always say. Eh? That's how you lead the bears in. But she took—is that a, bullshit though? She she would she would treat she would take her birth control pill, and then there's a week, I guess, a birth control pill that mm. you take when you're, uh, it changes your hormones, and then you'll you'll menstruate. Well, she just skipped that and went straight back to the other pills, so she just never got her period.
1: Yeah, you take it. Through. I thought
0: that that kind of freaked me out. I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't think.
1: I think that uh, this will again uh, exp- uh, show my knowledge on birth control. <laughs> But, um, I think that the the last pills that you're talking about they're like sugar pills,
0: exactly, yeah, they don't have any hormones or whatever yeah in an and AI. then
1: that's when you let, let you go do cycles, so yeah we oh, we so have done she would that
0: skip the sugar pills, and she just goes right back to the keep hormone.
1: going into it yeah, and she how long would she do that for?
0: well, she did it for the three months that
1: we were in uh, planning him yeah i I think we've I think I remember my wife did that for a vacation or something like that, but it was like one cycle, and they t- they don't recommend it hey eh? it's not I
0: don't g- think it would be healthy, I don't know. I, I, mean, it must, I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't know the, the mechanism. I, th- I would imagine that when you're finished, it would be like... Uh, Monsoons. Yeah, it would be pretty It would be, <laughs> be a month in a
0: row, like for a whole month or something. Yeah, I don't know.
1: The, so, the, the, anyways, I'm surprised that you, uh, you're a big fan of the Diva Cup, eh?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's like probably the best option available.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, very good. I'm glad we talked. Now I can add to my knowledge, eh? <laughs> You'll have to and, get the book on it. And Crimson Tide Girls, I mean, uh, last week I I I started a, I tried to start a podcast where it was some crappy podcast from Halifax. Now maybe the Crimson Tide, they're a little closer to home. I don't want to start a war with them. I just want to put out a campaign to get me on their show because I think I would be a, a good guest on that show. And then I would love to have them in here any day they want to come. I, or, I'll do what I can to accommodate them, go, go to Toronto and... Set up this what my equipment there. As long as I can somehow participate with these girls and have a nice hour long conversation about the female cycle, I, I think people would love that. That's all they talk about. I don't know. I haven't really listened to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I always just I uh, listen to bits of it, but then, uh but I'm always like, ah, I think I I could do good on this show, but uh, I'm trying also to get to kind of connect with more podcasters, uh especially in the, in the local area like the Toronto podcasting or whatever, because they're starting to pop up more and more. And uh, you see in other com- other communities like uh, New York and Los Angeles, a uh, pod-, pod fest where you can they get together with a bunch of podcasters and do live shows. And then the, the audiences get to see other shows. Like, uh, then an audience for my show would come to the fest and then see other people's shows and when mm-hmm. they're performing. And it helps build the audience, build the medium. And it's good for everybody to do something like that. So I'm hoping to maybe uh, be a part of something like that in Toronto. Nice. Because um, that's kind of a building podcast scene, so I'm, maybe, it, it might still come. Maybe I'll have to do it myself. Eh?
0: Yeah, just have one here. Bring people. Bring all the podcasters down in Norfolk County.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I think because uh, I think it might be the only one. Do you know anyone I, else in Norfolk that's doing it?
0: Um, I'd have to think about it. I probably don't. I don't think so. But uh, I think they, you know, they'd have a great time at the Dutch Hall.
1: I think they would too. I think they would too. So maybe that's what we'll do. Well, and then you'll have to promote it on uh, Culture Rodeo. Yeah. Right.
0: Oh, yeah. oh, I absolutely would. Yeah.
1: Good. Cause we, so back to. Should we get into the nolo?
0: Yeah. Well, he's kind of interesting. Nolo.
1: Yeah, the nolo. And so. Is there a
0: lot of nolos?
1: I don't believe this is a this is a very common occurrence. And I'll I'll try to tweet out the picture of this man's genitals. They actually have a picture on the Huffington Post. Uh, it says I can tweet it, so I, I'll probably tweet this thing out, and then and I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll do it right after the show, tweet it out. But the guy, uh, there's a picture, not safe for work picture of the man's new genitals, which are cut right off, and uh, he sits down to pee, um, and he says he has a more more chances of getting urinary tract infections too because his uh, tract is not as long as it once was, so he has to keep it nice and clean down there. Sounds like he's got
0: a lifetime of regrets ahead of him. Yeah. Can he get it put back on? Uh, no, and he says that... Did, did he keep it? What did he do with it?
1: I imagine it's medical waste. He didn't say he kept nah. it. He really didn't like it at all. It was really a source of uh, great shame for him, his penis. And uh, he talks a little bit about the story about how it, it's. he always said that uh, his uh, genitals didn't match his body. He had uh, lar- uh, large genitals and he was a small kind of twinky guy but if you look at the picture of him he's a burly guy he is a very burly guy he looks very
0: proud without any genitals i must say that
1: yeah he likes it a lot and he says that a lot of his boyfriends also uh are kind of intrigued by it they, he says it hasn't hurt him in uh, his romantic life he, he says that uh the guys that he dates are still uh um open to or like or they're more it's more like fascinating to him or whatever i think mm. he's a little bit i don't know if he's um can he orgasm I don't think so. And there's no, there's no uh, sexual because he's a no no testicles and uh, no balls or so no no testicles would take away all the that would all his. I'm surprised he's even horny enough to do anything with anyone because you would lose all the testosterone. I imagine. Yeah,
0: he has no enjoyment out of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's no. It's he's just a pleaser. He's just a he's pleaser. He's just
0: a pleaser, yeah. yeah. He's a giver.
1: He's a giver, not a taker, and I think that's what—that's probably why people like him. He's a real—he's a really uh, uh, generous person. <laughs> <laughs> so, Haitian dwarf. I mean, it, I know you follow me on Twitter, so I'll tweet this thing out. You have a look at this guy's genitals. You—you uh, you read the article. You tell me what you think. Maybe—maybe maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not for you. You know, uh, maybe the whole point, uh, all the problems you've been having, could just be solved by being a nolo. So. It's just I'm, all I'm going to do here. I don't want to make the decision for you. You know, I'm a natural. I like what God gave me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a really uh, simple man, but you seem to be a bit more complex, and so maybe this is a route that you can go. And all I want to do here is educate you with uh, with information, and uh, hopefully we can help you. But that was a long feedback. We got feedback, and it's done now. So let's see where we're sitting for the show, Tanya. Okay. We are sitting at an, an hour and five minutes. All right. Can you believe that we got already... Why well, do you do an hour again? It, you, we said it would fly <laughs> and it did, didn't it? It totally flew by. Well, it was so great to have you in. So now what we should do is promote your stuff because you have lots going on. We didn't really even talk about the Norfolk art scene, which I think we should de- dedicate a bit of time to. We can run over on, on this. We're not limited to how long we can go. So but we'll talk about Culture Rodeo. You just started the website called Culture Rodeo.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, for sure.
1: Just tell us a little bit what made you try to, what made you try to or start to do this.
0: Well, um, I love Norfolk uh, County very much, but I've also, like, lived abroad and lived in many other cities, and um, I love the arts and culture um, aspect, and, you know, it adds just so much to your life. But as coming back here to live again, I realized that when I want to go out with a friend for a beer or something, I really have to search to find out what's going on. So um, there's a real need to have a static spot where you can go and find out what's happening today. So it's a seven-day um, look. Um, it's a one-week-at-a-time, and then it focuses on um, restaurants, their daily specials if they have a lunch or a dinner special, um, arts and culture events that are happening that day, and also um, music. So you don't have to look anymore, in Norfolk County. I'm going to do the looking for you. Um, so I can post, uh, just look on... CultureRodeo.com and uh, click on the day that you're uh, looking to, to head out and you'll be able to find out what's going on that day.
1: And you can also go on, there, you also have a Facebook page with yeah, them?
0: Yeah, like me on Facebook because I'm going to probably promote the things that I think are worth attending on there. Um, eventually, I like to get it up to the, to the point where people are writing um, about each thing that are experts, you know, like an arts and culture writer and a music writer and um, connecting the audience with the events. And there's some really obscure events that are going on that uh, people don't know about that are fantastic that um, probably would get higher attendance if people only knew about them. So also contact me. Um, My uh, contact information is on Culture Rodeo if you have an event that uh, you would like me to post. And um, I'm only concentrating on seven days a week, but I will be uh, having advertising spots um, available for people who want to advertise things that are happening in the future or maybe who uh, that uh, are outside of those four kind of categories. Um yeah, and it's constantly evolving as well. So it'll And this be
1: isn't just for it. Norfolk either. It's uh, cuz like we we are a tourist destination for people that are coming in. We have a great uh, not only we have the great uh, arts and uh, music scene, but we also have we're an emerging wine region and we have our beaches and we have uh, quite a bit of act- like there's quite a bit of activity down in Norfolk. We're kind of the forgotten uh, place because we're we don 't pass through us to get anywhere you have to come down to the the north shore of Lake Erie to find us so um if you go on this uh, if you go on culture rodeo and look at what 's going on, it may give you an excuse to pack up the bags and the family or just pa- uh, go with your significant other and make a trek down to Norfolk and make a weekend of it oh, and definitely. see some great em- entertainment enjoy some good wine some good food, and uh see what how how people down here live
0: yeah and if you want to come
1: down the dutch hall you 'd always know how to find me.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're presenting our first event. I'm hoping to uh, use Culture Rodeo um, as a, um, a business that can um, sub- sponsor events and also uh, present them. So the first event we're presenting is November second. Um, um, it's a three course meal and a musician, Milo McMahon. He's from Montreal. He's an Irish lad and he lives in uh, Montreal. Like I said, he's a he's an interesting guy. I actually, met him tree planting. Oh yeah. And uh it seems like that's the kind of the spine of this talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but he is uh he's hilarious and he's a great storyteller as well and he's he's a great musician so it'll be really entertaining. So that's upstairs at Serafina's on November 2nd. I think it's going to start at 6 There'll be a um like I said a three-course meal and I think you have your choice between like a really nice pork and uh chicken meal.
1: And you can see uh, clips of Milo on y- on the w- on your website as well, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, and um Oh, shoot. I think I just lost it. We Also, Hamilton Film Festival. How do we uh, find...
0: Um, you can go right on to Hamilton Film Festival's website. There are tickets for sale um, there. They're $10. There's an opening gala the night my film's showing. It's uh, Monday, November 3rd, the next day after Milo. And uh, the gala is a red carpet. There's going to be people interviewing there for television. Um, and the gala is open to anybody who wants to go. It's free. And then just uh, goes 6 to 8 o'clock. And then at... Uh, not uh, 8 p.m. right when it finishes, my film's going to show about 10 steps away, and that's going to be at the Staircase Theatre in Hamilton.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We got all the plugs out of the way? Yeah. And you were a great guest. We re- it was really enjoyable to have oh, you in and here. and
0: t- if you are interested in the sketch comedy, you can uh, follow um, Howl at the Moon Films on YouTube. And you should be able to see some. Oh, clips that's up where we—that's where the
1: clip of Milo was. It was How How at the Moon Films, right? Yeah. And okay, so that was what I got wrong. How at the Moon Films. So we got How at the Moon Films Culture Rodeo, and uh, Hamilton Film Festival. Yes. You know that we're Dutch. Hall, you know, and I've said it enough times on how to follow me, so you guys all know. Thank you very much for uh, supporting the show, everybody, and listening again. We'll see you next week, and uh, keep telling your friends. Do what you can to reach out so we can get more feedback from you, and make the show better. And if you'd like to help out any way you can, there's lots of ways. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Pete.
1: Bye.
0: Awesome. I nailed it. <laughs> I hope it was alright. Oh, it's great. I feel like, oh, it stinks. No, <laughs> oh, no, it's
1: great. It is really awesome. Yeah, I didn't you know that. last time. Like, oh really? Those
0: deals? That one. but one. That one. That That one. That That one. thing That one.